welcome to From the Preacher's Study. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, my name is Kevin Clark, and I'm along here with Bob Hutto, who is the preacher here. And as the name implies, we are literally in his study and bringing to you the Word of God. As you know, if you've been following with us, we're in the book of Ephesians, uh, specifically Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, we hope that you have been benefited by the study, that you'll continue to tune in and uh, spread the Word to others, neighbors, friends, co-workers, uh, it's a very easily accessible, digestible way to you know, interject some spirituality in your day. We try to keep it to around 15 minutes or so, and so really encourage you to be a part of that. I want to thank everybody who has been so uh, effusive in their encouragement and their praise of us uh, for doing that. Uh, of course, all glory and honor goes to God for giving us this opportunity, but to uh, we thank you all as the audience for being intrigued and interested in spiritual things, and especially for those of you who have been following us on a regular basis. Uh, Bob, do you have anything you want to say about well, what introductory you, remarks? Well, you've expressed some of the same thoughts that I had coming into our, our study today. If you enjoy what we're doing here, tell somebody about it and invite them to listen and um, just tell them how they can access the program and we really appreciate the good, encouraging words. It means a lot to us. It makes us feel like we're reaching people mm -hmm. and, and doing some good. And so uh, we appreciate all of that we can get. Uh, we're constantly trying to think of ways that we can improve and do mm -hmm. a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, you know, if you enjoyed listening to it, if it's uh, helpful to you, it might be helpful to others. It might mm -hmm. be a way to introduce some people to the gospel. And uh, that's what we're trying to do, just trying to plant the seed of the word in people's heart and Hope and pray that it bears fruit. Amen. And we want to, as we, I think we always do, thank uh, the deacons, Jason and Mark, uh, who are here with us. You can't see them on screen, uh, but they're here every time uh, we get together and we put together this podcast. And their uh, talents and their abilities have been invaluable to this endeavor. And so we thank them again. So we said we're in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we want to focus primarily on verses 14 through 21, those eight verses. But in order to uh, kind of build into that, build a little momentum, we're going to pick up on some of the things that were said last time uh, when Brother Bob led the study. And uh, to help myself discipline myself a little bit, there are two ideas that I really want to develop. Primarily, there'll be other things that we touch on, and no way do these two ideas constrain uh, the creativity and observations of my colleague, Bob. Uh, but I want to focus on faith and love, and that those two uh, characteristics, the roles they play in the life of a faithful Christian, uh, the faith that we must have, an active, obedient faith that's talked about several times throughout the Bible, but even in these passages we're about to undertake to study, and then the love, and I might go so far as to qualify, the love of Christ. That's exactly how Paul qualifies it. Those two things are critical. Do we have it in our lives? Are we developing? Are we strengthening those things? And even the idea that we can pray for others, that those be strengthened in them. So with that being said, though, let's go back to last time and remember that Bob led us in a study about the fact that Paul was so appreciative of his role in the gospel that he thought that his uh, commission, if you will, to spread the gospel, to share the unsearchable riches of Christ uh, with everybody, especially the Gentiles. Remember that uh, they had not been in a covenant relationship with God in the Old Testament, but now through Christ, they themselves could be fellow heirs of God and, and, and inheritors of the promises of God. And so he felt like that was a very uh, privileged, honorable position to be the one, the vessel, if you will, 
who brings the riches of Christ to everybody and shares with them the mystery. And, and we found in verse 6 that mystery is the fact that Gentiles and Jews would be fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of his promise. And I believe that promise primarily is the promise of eternal life, although certainly there are other aspects of the promises of God uh, that inure to the benefit of those who are in Christ. And so those are the things that he was so uh, really uh, thankful for. And then he goes on. And that's verses 8 through 10. Let's pick up verse 11. Uh, we talked about one of the things when you share the gospel that happens, verse uh, 10, is that not only do the Jews hear that and see the wisdom of God, not only do the Gentiles hear that and see the wisdom of God, but I thought it was intriguing that he says even principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So he's talking about spiritual beings, not physical beings, uh, that they themselves are taking notice of the church and what it stands for and how it reflects and demonstrates the wisdom of God. And of course, there are many ways in which that is true. Certainly the wisdom of how do you bring these two divided peoples together, the Jews and Gentiles. But also I think it's interesting, we talked a little bit about this off record, uh, how do you reconcile a holy, a righteous God with men who are very unholy and rebellious and have sinned, and there has to be a price for that sin. And the answer to that is the church, because through the church, what do you have? You have people who have been reconciled to God through the offer of the Son of Christ, His blood on the cross, the perfect sacrifice, and that allows men to have a relationship with God through the church. And so His manifold wisdom uh, multifaceted wisdom, if you will, is shown by that. And then I like verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we are to understand that what God did in the church in terms of creating it through the blood of Jesus, that's something that he had in his mind from the very beginning. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't, as some suggest, Jesus came, wanted to establish a physical kingdom, was rejected, and oh, by the way, this is kind of plan B. No, from the very beginning, in fact, Paul had already made this point in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, if you go back over to verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And then jump down, if you will, to verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. And so the eternal purpose of bringing all things together as one in Christ, and you see that fulfilled in the church, this is the eternal purpose of God. And of course, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for that. Uh, he was perfect. He was the Son of God. He was without sin. Uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us in a couple of places, Hebrews chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 4, that he is tempted in all points as we are. And so he was the perfect high priest. He could be sympathetic to us in our weaknesses. And so this eternal purpose uh, is something that's very important and it's reflected in the church. And then I like verse 12. And remember, one of the points I said at the very beginning is, what is the role of faith? Verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So he says we can have access to God. We have access to God's fellowship. We can have boldness. How? We have to have faith in him, faith in Jesus. And that's a similar concept that uh, Hebrews chapter 10 uh, brings out, Hebrews 10 verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, 
Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, you have this idea of boldness to enter the holiness. And of course, that's an allusion to the Old Testament temple where you had the holy place and the most holy place. Only the high priest could go into the most holy place. Now we can go into the most holy place through what veil? Not a physical veil, but the veil of the flesh of Jesus. And with that, we can have boldness. Why? Because again, verse 22, having full assurance of faith. So that role of faith and being in this covenant relationship with God, without faith, we uh, cannot please God, Hebrews 11, 6. I've talked a little too much, Bob. Why don't you say a few things here? Well, very good. I, I just enjoy listening to you, Kevin. I appreciate what, you, what you've had to say. Well, I was thinking about this eternal purpose of, of God, you know, that's uh, worked out through Jesus Christ. Well, what, what would we expect other than this from a God who's infinite in, in love mm-hmm. and the love that flows between Father, Son, mm-hmm. and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We would expect him to act in love That's right. and in time That's right. and the mercy that exists and the grace that mm-hmm. exists in an infinite way eternally in God's nature mm-hmm. and the unity that Amen. exists between Father, Son, and Spirit, again, mm-hmm. e- eternally in the relationship that they have with each other. Well, that's that's exactly what we should expect from a God like that as he works out his purpose in time among his creation, among us. We would expect a work of love and mm-hmm. unity mm-hmm. and grace and mercy, yeah. but also justice as well. Right. Right. And so you can see how this is in accordance with the eternal purpose mm-hmm. of God. It reflects perfectly his eternal nature that we see in the relationship that the persons of the Godhead have with each other. Perfect. Good job. Um, verse 13 says, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Of course, he's in prison and he's saying rather than be depressed by that, you ought to be excited by that because anytime you suffer for the cause of Christ, it's to the glory. But we're running out of time here. Let's move down to verses 14 through 21 and read them uh, quickly. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so he begins, verse 14, indicating that there's a this is a prayer of sorts. He says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's language that you would use describing a physical posture that many used in terms of praying when they came to God in prayer. And he prays for them uh, really four things. He wants them to be uh, strengthened in the inner man through his spirit. He wants them to have the uh, spirit of Christ dwelling in them through faith. Uh, he wants them to... Uh, be rooted and grounded in love and to know and understand the love of Christ, which is so wonderful in all of its height and breadth and length. And finally, he wants them to be filled by the fullness of God in their lives. Uh, The idea being that God works in us. In fact, he says that uh, in verse 20, according to the power that works in us, and Philippians has some things to say about that as well, and that we will allow God to fully work uh, in us in our lives. And so notice he's asking that these things be done for these Gentile brethren. And then I think it's interesting that after asking for those four things, he says, you know what? The God we serve 
is able to do well beyond anything that I ask, such as what I'm asking now uh, when he says in verse uh, 20, now to him is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. But again, the two ideas that I wanted to develop, you see that listed here twice. Uh, First of all, the idea that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith in verse 17, and then verses 18 and 19, the reference to the love of Christ. And of course, we know those two things are critical to the pleasing of God. Uh, We have to, Hebrews 11, 6 says, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we have to have faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith has to be active faith that works in our life. We act on the promises of God. And then, of course, the love of Christ is very critical. Uh, John 13, 34, if you want to turn over there very briefly, uh, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And somebody may think, well, how is that a new commandment? Uh, Certainly the Old Testament said that we needed to love one another. In fact, Jesus, in summarizing the Old Testament, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, says that the two uh, commandments are to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So in what way would that be new? Well, he says, as I have loved you. Now, that is a qualifier. That is different. The love that Jesus demonstrated to us, that's the kind of love that Paul wants us to have and is praying for uh, that we have an understanding of and that we uh, know and are aware of. And obviously, the idea is that we not just intellectually know it, that we act upon it. Uh, Bob, some comments on that? Well, I was like chapter 3, going back to Ephesians chapter 3, just the exalted language that Mm -hmm. Paul uses. I mean, he just speaks in superlatives, doesn't he? I mean, almost in extremes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, his prayer is that God would grant them to be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth. You know, Paul Paul doesn't say, well, I hope you can squeak by. You know, I hope you uh, get, you know, a a few of the blessings of God along the way. Now, I want you to experience in the fullest degree uh, all that God has to give you. Mm -hmm. And God, of course, is able to accomplish that. He's able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Right. He's working in us, verse 20 says, Mm -hmm. to him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that is working in you, works in you or is working in you. God's on our side. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to experience all of these things he has stored up for his his people. And so he's going to do everything he can to help us get there. Now we can resist his work and we can resist... His efforts, right. but he wants us to be saved. And as God is for, if God is for us, and we want to be saved, and right. He wants us to be saved, well, that's a winning combination, isn't Amen, it? Amen, brother, very much so. And of course, at the end, verse twenty-one. I love this. This is a concept we have developed in prior classes. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. All of this that we're talking about, that that they might have their inner man strengthened, that they may have the Spirit of Christ dwelling by faith, that they may have the love of God and know that love of God, that they may be filled uh, to the brink with the fullness of God. All of that is for one overarching purpose, and that is that God be glorified. And I like the idea that the church is going to be there forever. He says that the, God be glorified by the church to all generations forever and ever. And of course, uh, that's consistent with the concept that Jesus said that when he built the church, even the gates of Hades, death itself would not overcome it. The church will always be there. So one of the things that, that I take away from this is just the importance of being in the Lord's church. It's something that was in the mind of God from all eternity. 
Uh, it is something that glorifies him. It is something that reflects and demonstrates his wisdom to not only Jew and Gentile, but even to uh, heavenly principalities and powers. So for those who want to give short shrift uh, to the church, you have a hard time wrestling with some of these passages. And of course, uh, we want to encourage everybody to do what you can to have more faith and have more love of Christ. Certainly faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The more time we spend with God's word, the more faith we're going to have. And then we'll talk about that a little bit later over in Ephesians 6 when we talk about the armor of God. And then the love of Christ. Do what you can. Uh, look and study Jesus and his life and see, see how he demonstrated love and then imitate that love in your life. Paul would often say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We also need to be looking to Christ and others who have demonstrated that. Uh, Bob, any other closing thoughts as we try to bring the study to a close? Well, I think just that we, you know, Paul's desire for us is to be strong, mm -hmm. to be like Christ, to be rooted and grounded in, in, uh, in love. And in that way, if we can do those things, mm -hmm. well, then we have, a, we have a legitimate hope of eternal life. Amen. Well said, brother. What we want to do, as we always do, want to close out the study with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Bob to lead us in those thoughts. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for the opportunity we have to open your word that's been revealed and preserved for us, to open your word and to study from it and to have access to your mind uh, as you've revealed your thoughts and your plan to us through this word. Help us, Father, to always have the thirst for knowledge, the hunger for righteousness. And Father, we pray that as we have that hunger and thirst, that we will be filled. Father, we are so thankful that it's your desire that we enjoy all the riches of your grace. And help us, Father, to be more like Christ. Help us, Father, to be strong. Help us, Father, to be rooted and grounded in love. And we pray, Father, that you'll continue to work within us, to lead us and guide us in the way that you would have us to go. Throughout the trials of this life and the challenges of this life, help us to overcome those things so that in that day we'll, we will be able to hear you say, Well done good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.